Come on, give it up for Jesus. Give him a big praise in the house right here. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm singing that song, as you know, written by the famous hymnists, Lennon and McCartney. That was a joke. Never mind. Anyway, so, yeah, I used to sing that song in the 60s when I was a sex symbol. That was a joke, ladies and gentlemen. You can laugh at that. But I was in a rock band. I remember singing that song, and, and I started to sing uh, this song uh, connected to the ministry because I don't know about you, but there are times, even though my heart is full of Scripture and uh, I know all the worship songs and I, I know all the Christian stuff and everything, but I don't know about you, there are times when stuff happens in my life and uh, I'm not able to vocalize uh, the pain that's going on inside. I, I'm unable to vocalize because of the confusion that's go going on in my, my heart. And I can't express to God how I feel because that person who I thought would remain with me for the rest of my life has gone. And because that friend that said, hey, listen, you know, I got your back actually stabbed me in the back. And there are times when your religious, our religious rehearsed prayers just don't work, do they? That's why I sing that song, because very often we are downsized to one word, help. I just need some help. And you know, when I was preparing, Pastor George preparing for this meeting tonight, I just sense that's the cry going up from many people in this room tonight. You know, I, listen, I, listen, sometimes I think we just get too cluttered with stuff. I think sometimes we try to get all religious to get God's attention. We try to fill our minds and listen, listen, tonight we're in Father's house. Tonight we're sitting on his feet and let's just simplify everything. Let's just get back to basics and realize, and I am absolutely 100% confident tonight, 100, no shadow of a doubt. Paul would say it like this, for I am convinced. Have you ever met somebody who's convinced? You can't shake them. And I'm telling you, I am convinced tonight that the message God has placed upon my heart, listen, the power of God is going to be released into people's lives tonight, transforming you miraculously. I need an amen in this house if I have some believers listening to me. Why do I say that? Listen, because the gospel is the power of God. I don't need to go to America or any other place where there is a so-called move to experience the power of God. I can experience the power of God in my bedroom when I'm feeling the worst, when it's dark outside because the power of the gospel is released by just believing it. Any believers in the house here tonight? Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm preaching myself happy right here. It doesn't say the gospel is the power of God to those that repent. Because sometimes I don't know when I've repented enough. 
How do I know after three hours of crying, snot everywhere, is that good enough for God? No, I don't know. And it's not the power of God is released through obedience because sometimes I haven't got the strength. And obey what? It doesn't say the gospel is the power of God to those that sacrifice. Because sometimes, you know, I just don't want to. (laughs) Sorry. You're more spiritual than me. I'm just a normal bloke. Doing my best here. But I do know one thing. I do know one thing. The reason why I'm confident tonight that this message is going to change lives is because the essence of the gospel, if you want to boil down the gospel into one word, it is simply this, forgiveness. And don't even try. You can study it as a theological doctrine. God doesn't want you to study His forgiveness as a theological doctrine. He wants you to experience it in your life. And when we come to God's forgiveness, you know, I'm telling you something right now, it exceeds our imagination. It's beyond what you believe. And this revelation that God gave me, in fact, you know, in Acts 13, 38, Paul said this, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, not through this denomination, not this, through this religious order, but through this man, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And to him, everyone who believes, am I looking at a bunch of believers here tonight? Come on, somebody say amen. To everyone believes who believes is justified from all the things that you could not be justified by the law of Moses. And I, I you know, I... I When God gave me this revelation that I'm going to share with you in the next three hours, when God gave me this revelation, come on, how many many lovers of the word do we have in the house tonight right here? Now get ready to receive this, okay? Because it's believing it that will release the power. And so as I travel the world and and I'm studying and I'm I'm trying to grasp with my faith my feeble mind and imagination, the amazing width and depth and height of the forgiveness of God, I begin to realize that there are so many Christians who are suffering from what I call schizophrenic Christianity. Schizophrenic Christianity is a disease that's running rampant in the church. And the only antidote for deliverance from schizophrenic Christianity is to receive a revelation of new covenant forgiveness. Now, some of you may think, oh, Ray, we know about forgiveness. Listen, I thought I knew about new covenant forgiveness until I'm going to share with you what God shared with me. And this is only the introduction to the introduction, okay? Uh, I'm, only, I'm only skimming the surface, just, just the tip of the iceberg you get tonight. Let, let me try and explain. You know, I, I love golf. I'm a keen golfer. And I've been playing golf now for 40 years. And uh, uh, there was a time, there's always a time in a golfer's life when they want to give up playing golf because 
for some reason, unknown to us, it just seems to all go wrong somehow. So I'm on the range and I'm hitting the ball and I can't hit the ball, it's going everywhere and I'm getting frustrated and I put my clubs in the bag and I says, I'm never going to play this flipping game again, I'm, that's it, it's doing my head in. So I'm off with my clubs and the professional who was watching me from, uh, from the window, he, he says, what's, what's the trouble bro? I said, what's the trouble? Golf is the trouble. I'm not playing this game again, a stupid game. Guess we all wound up. He said, no, I was watching you from the window. Uh, can I just give you a few tips of truth about your swing? I said, come on then, anything. And he just told me three things. He said, try this, this, and this. And I applied the truth that the professional gave me. And I started hitting this ball. I was freaking out. You know what? I left the range from being depressed, giving up golf, to wanting to get on the first tee and start playing golf again. I was so excited. What was the key? Now, he could have taken me into a room with all pictures of golfing greats, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Phil Mickelson, all the great golfers would be up there. And he could have said, just sit in this room now and soak up the atmosphere. Just look at these wonderful, put the videos on and watch them play. Now I'd be in that room, I'd be inspired, I'd be moved, I'd be touched. But I would still be ignorant regarding my swing. Come on, somebody say amen. I would come out of that room feeling great, but still playing bad. I would come out of, the, out of that room incredibly inspired, but still frustrated. Why is that? Because I didn't need more inspiration. I didn't need, need more of a fantastic atmosphere. I needed I didn't need some emotional high. I needed truth to set me free. And, the, and Jesus said, it's the knowing of truth that will set us free. Come on, somebody say amen here. Now, I'm taking you on a journey here. I have to lay this foundation. I have to uh, teach you this truth that God showed me before we apply it in a powerful way tonight. And, uh, you know, uh, for many years, I lived with this disease called schizophrenic Christianity, for years. That's why I'm preaching this with passion. I was defeated by guilt and condemnation on a daily basis. I was overwhelmed by circumstances continually. I was tricked and deceived by Satan and caught in traps. I was frustrated with my humanity. And I'd go to all the meetings. <laughs> I'd get everybody to pray for me. I'd get into the greatest atmosphere you can imagine. But then I would feel good for a while. And then after a few days, I'd be back into my same spiritual rut. And many Christians live like this. And the reason why is because I was ignorant of the truth of the new covenant. And it was the knowing of the truth, of that truth that set me free. I was living schizophrenic Christianity. In fact, I put it like this. 
I was living under two covenants. And that's why many people are frustrated and they're not enjoying their Christian life because unknowing to them, and perhaps you may be here tonight, unknowing to you, the reason for your frustration, you don't need more prayer. You don't need to get in some atmosphere. You don't need to go to some move. You just need to know the truth that will set you free for the rest of your life. Come on, if I've got some, I'm preaching myself so happy here. I was living under two covenants. I was married to Jesus, but flirting with Moses. I was dead to the law, but still alive to its demands. And that's what it's like to live under two covenants. Schizophrenic Christianity is someone who tries to enjoy new covenant life using old covenant obedience. Let me explain what I mean. If you're still with me, say amen here. Here's a classic scripture, 2 Chronicles 7.14. We all know it, right? And very often, especially during COVID, preachers would come out with this, oh, the reason why this uh, uh, COVID is happening is because God's people need to repent. It's as if the Christians were responsible for COVID. And now we've got to go and bend. And, we, and they quote this verse, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, only then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. In other words, God says, I'm not going to do a thing until you do this. I want to see your humility. I want to see your holiness. I want to see your repentance. When you do that, then I will forgive. Then I will deliver. Listen to me carefully. That is old covenant living. It's old covenant, but we use it. So we use old covenant obedience and we try to use it to get new covenant blessing. I tell you what it's like. It's like going down to an ATM with a discontinued card. You put the card in. The card's out of date, okay? So you were there. You put the card in, and not only does no money come out, but it keeps you flipping cards. And you're shouting at the machine, come out in Jesus' name. And you're, and you're no. You are not going to get the money because the card is discontinued. Ladies and gentlemen, the old Covenant is discontinued. Jesus instituted a brand new covenant. Come on. And it's a better covenant than you can ever imagine. Give the Lord some praise in this house. Stay with me. I'm laying a foundation. Watch. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means that he made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Listen to me very carefully. God doesn't need your faithfulness. He doesn't need your obedience and he doesn't need your repentance as a basis to bless you. He blesses you because he wants to bless you. Come on, somebody. It's not about your faithfulness. It's about his under the new covenant, the if is removed. And you're going to have to think, you're going to have to listen to this message again and again to get it. Under the new covenant, the if is removed. Under the grace covenant, 
human responsibility is removed. Watch this. You don't need to make a New Year's resolution. You need a new covenant revelation. Come on, somebody say amen. And very often our Christian lives is like a New Year's resolution every Sunday. I'm not going to do that again, God. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, Monday morning, you're there again. Come on, somebody say amen. No, you don't need to make a New Year's resolution. You need to receive a new covenant revelation because your resolution is dependent upon your faithfulness to keep it. A revelation of the new covenant is God's declaration that he will always keep his promise to you. Fantastic. Oh my God. Ray, what? I don't know what to do with my... I don't, I, I'm so excited I could crush a grape. I could take a piece of tissue and rip it like this. If you're still with me, say woohoo! So, okay. So schizophrenic Christianity speaks like this. Well, when you sin as a Christian, your fellowship with God is broken and it's only restored when you repent. Schizophrenic Christianity, living under two covenants. Here's another one. You cannot take communion until you make yourself right with God. I'd love someone to come and tell me how I can make myself right with God. I'd love somebody to come and tell me how my work is better than the finished work of Jesus. Come on, come on, I'm preaching myself so happy here. Okay, uh, schizophrenic Christianity is, is like this, it speaks like this. The blessings of the new covenant is dependent upon your obedience and faithfulness. That's how it speaks. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? The key to your freedom from schizophrenic Christianity, listen carefully, it's not contrition, it's context. It is that simple. It's not repentance, it's revelation. And it's vital to understand that the new covenant did not start when Jesus was born. The new covenant started when Jesus was crucified and resurrected and ascended. You have to understand this. If you don't get this, if you don't get this, then you'll never understand this. Why? Because most of what Jesus said in the Gospels don't actually relate to you and I. Listen, wait, before you stone me, just wait, okay? A lot of what Jesus said in the Gospels doesn't relate to the church. Jesus was born under the law, and when you take Scripture in context, you have to understand who is Jesus speaking to and what question is he answering, and so that's the context. If you take the text out of context, all you have is a con. Amen. So watch this. And the church has been conned for so long. For example, okay, let me say this. So, so, so the Pharisees and the, uh, the people under the law, uh, they, they prided themselves that they could keep the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given not so we could keep it, but to show that nobody can keep it. 
And so they were, oh, we don't commit adultery. Oh, really? So Jesus says, well, okay, here's the essence of the law. You pro- Listen, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've, you've just committed it. So he said, do you know how to deal with this problem? This is what he said to them. Gouge your eyes out. Well, why don't we obey that then? <laughs> if, if, we, if we think those words apply to us, every hot-blooded male in this room should be blind by now. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Some of you guys only have to see an ankle and you've lost an eye. Come on. Come on, talk to me. I'm talking some honesty here. No. If we took those words literally, Jesus says, cut your hand off. What about this one? If somebody asks you for money, give him all you have. Come on. We don't like that part, but we don't think, do we? Now watch this. You see... This is the answer. Okay, I've done that. Turn over, pause, do that, right. Okay, listen, here we go. Are you still out there? Say amen right here. But see, religious tradition has insisted we live under two covenants, expecting new covenant blessing with old covenant obedience. This schizophrenic teaching has has held many believers bound in guilt and shame, and I'm getting to where I want to go right now, especially in the area of forgiveness. And there are so many Christians that have been taught this, that forgiveness from God as a believer, forgiveness from God to you as a believer is dependent upon your forgiveness to somebody else. And the reason why I'm saying this is because some of you are here tonight and you are in turmoil, trying to deal with unforgiveness in your heart towards that person who hurt you and abused you and betrayed you. And I'm not minimizing this. And you get some some super spiritual person that will come up to you and say, well, you got to forgive. Yeah, we... Forgive me? <laughs> no, you've got to forgive. That's just a, that's just a you know, and, but you've gone through stuff. It's hard. And some of you are here tonight and you desperately want to forgive, but you're struggling with it and you're being honest. And on top of that, you get a preacher saying to you, well, if you don't forgive, God's not to forgive you. So now you're living with a double whammy. And I, I, I haven't got time to go into this, but one of the main weapons that Satan uses to keep Christians bound in schizo-Christianity and bound in guilt is the Lord's Prayer. Now it's gone quiet. Don't go there, Ray. Listen, just bear with me. Many people don't realize that the Lord's Prayer is an old covenant prayer. The disciples were unsaved, all of them. And they, and they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. Now, Jesus couldn't teach them to pray according to the new covenant because it hadn't been established yet. Come on, somebody. So he says, you pray like this. So he says, I'm going to teach you the best way I can teach you to pray under the old covenant, under the law. And if you read that prayer, 
There's a part in that prayer that includes conditional forgiveness. Forgive me, Father, in the same way that I forgive others. Old covenant forgiveness. Can you imagine how we would feel like if we had to live like that? Some of you are. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 40, 15, at the end of the prayer, he says this, if you forgive those who, for, who, who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And people are here tonight, you believe those words are for you, not realizing these words are directed to old covenant to, to the old covenant, immediately conditional forgiveness is brought into focus. And because this old covenant prayer, listen to me carefully, check out in the book of Acts, never again did they pray this prayer as believers. I'm not saying it's a bad prayer. You know, people who don't believe and they don't know how to pray, they pray this prayer. I'm not saying it's a bad prayer, okay? I'm not putting guilt on you. Don't why pray? Listen. No, what I'm saying is, is that this prayer was never prayed by the early church and it's accepted as a new covenant prayer because Jesus prayed it and it's brought so many believers into bondage. Listen to me carefully. In the new covenant, God never blackmails us with his forgiveness. He never holds us ransom to get us to forgive. In this prayer, Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray under the law. Watch this. He says, this is how I'm going to teach you to pray now. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day when you will pray in my name. There's coming a day when you'll ask anything in my name. And heaven's resources will be released into your life. Come on, if you're still with me. I wish I had time, but I'm going to move on. Nearly finished, nearly finished. Are you receiving this tonight, everybody? Jesus says, there's coming a day when you'll pray in my name. But the new covenant had not been instituted. They couldn't pray to the Father through Jesus' name because the way had not been opened yet. And because religion has taken this prayer out of context, it's produced schizophrenic Christianity. Do you know there's nothing worse for a Christian to live with a fear that God is withholding forgiveness from them. You can never live a contented life in God worrying about your daily forgiveness. Believing that God's forgiveness only lasts until the next sin. And based on your repentance and your willpower, he forgives your sin again until the next sin. I want to tell you, you can never preach the gospel of forgiveness effectively if you're worrying about your own forgiveness. Under the new covenant, God's forgiveness is free, undeserving, and totally unconditional. You can't sin your way out of it. You can't repent your way back into it. You can't repay it with your service and faithfulness and obedience. And to, to attempt any of that is an insult to the finished work of Jesus. And the reason I say all that, the reason I say all that, is because God tonight wants that truth 
to set people free who've been living with this torment of God is not forgiving me because I'm struggling to forgive. Listen, the Holy Spirit is here tonight not to condemn you because you can't forgive. He's here tonight to help you in your struggle. And the reason why we have a problem with this forgiveness is because we don't understand this one. The reason why we have a problem with horizontal forgiveness in the church is because we really don't have a revelation of our vertical forgiveness with God. You know, in the New Covenant, it actually says this in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You see the difference? Under the old covenant, it was forgive or I won't bless you. In the new covenant, Jesus says, you're free to forgive because I've already forgiven you. You're living under my forgiveness. There's so much more I could say, but I just sense the Spirit of God here to set people free. And you know, when God told Moses to build the Ark of the Covenant, that box overlaid with gold and uh, the pot of manna, the rod in there, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were hidden out of God's sight. Because he said to Moses, if I have to deal with you through the Ten Commandments, I would have to kill you. Because that's my standard. Put it out of my sight. And on top of the box, I want you to build something called, I want you to get one piece of gold and shape it around the box. And the gold has to be bigger than the box. That, that, that piece of gold was called the mercy seat. You see, because mercy is always greater than judgment. Watch. And then, and then he said, and then he said, get the, uh, you know, blood has to be shed to forgive sin. So in, in the old covenant, it was the blood of animals. And, and the high priest would get the blood of animals and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And God would say, when I see the blood, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to communicate with you there. And then he said, he said, out of the same piece of gold, I want you to form into shape two cherubims. And they are to be facing each other and their wings are to cover the mercy seat and they are to be facing each other but not looking at each other. They are to face down like this. Why? Because if they looked at each other, they would just see a replica of themselves. But when they looked down, they would see each other through the reflection of the blood that was shed. Come on, help me somebody in this place because, because watch... Because, because then they would communicate with each other because this is right, then this will be right. In the new covenant, God doesn't bless you because of your apology. He blesses you because of his blood. And when the angel of death passed through the streets, of Egypt, he was given one command. When you see the blood on doorposts, whoever is inside the house 
has made the declaration they have trusted my sacrifice, not theirs. Whoever is in the house. So when you see the blood pass over judgment, can you imagine the angel of death arguing with God and saying, that's too easy. Before I pass over, I want to walk inside and see if they're living in forgiveness. I want to walk inside to see if there's any stress or tension or sin in there. God says, you listen to my word. When you see my blood on that doorpost, you pass over judgment because the people inside have just believed that my blood covers everything. Amen. Amen. And so here you are. And those of you that are struggling with unforgiveness, God is not against you. God is not withholding his forgiveness because you're struggling to forgive. Do you know what he's asking you to do tonight? He's asking you to actually believe that you are forgiven, you're accepted, you're blessed, but Ray, I feel so bad. It's irrelevant. You've trusted in the blood of Jesus. And you know what? When that fills your heart, a miracle will take place. You'll find it a lot easier. You see, on this level, we do need apology to restore sometimes. On this level, no, it's done. It's blood. But some of you have a problem on this level. Holy Spirit, I thank you that the truth that I've preached tonight will permeate people's hearts. There are people here, Father, struggling to forgive. And I don't know what it is. They've been abused or hurt. And they've been told that you withhold your forgiveness because they won't forgive. Lord, we've understood that. That's old covenant. It's schizophrenic Christianity. It's a brand new day. And I declare your forgiveness over this congregation right now. People are believing. I'm asking you while you're sitting here, your head's bowed. I'm asking you just to believe it. Just believe it. Just silence those lies in your head that Satan is saying, you're a bad person. Listen, you are loved in a way you will never understand. And God is asking you, the only way, the only way I can help you forgive those people that hurt you is to receive my forgiveness. Have a revelation of my forgiveness 24-7. Now this is what I'm going to do. I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray right now. Holy Spirit, uh, I pray right now that as people are receiving are believing this incredible truth, right now a miracle is taking place in their heart. Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three in a moment. And you say, Ray, because I don't know how the Holy Ghost applies this. I've just, I'm just the dispenser of bread and fish. I don't know how this is being applied. But if you say to me, Ray, tonight what you said, it, it may have been one sentence of truth. Say, Ray, that truth. I'm going to receive that truth. 
and I'm going to trust God. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Ray, that word was for me tonight, and I want you to pray for me. Something has happened. My eyes have been opened. I need to receive this tonight. If that's you, when I count to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up high. Wow. Wow, this happens everywhere. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. Okay, put your hands down. Pastor George, have I got a few minutes here? Are we okay? Stand to your feet, everybody. Could you stand to your feet? I'm not just speaking theologically here. I'm speaking from my own experience. This works. And I'd like to spend just two minutes with those people who raise their hands. And I, I, want, I want to say this. We've not come here to defeat the devil. He's already been defeated 2,000 years ago, okay? And the only person, the only person, the only person that's going to be embarrassed here tonight is the devil because the truth has set you free tonight. I want to pray for you. If you raised your hand, would you come and stand with me here now? Leave your seat, bring your belongings with you, handbag, your purse, whatever. Quickly, now do it. If you raised your hand, come and stand with me here. And don't worry about, oh, what will people think? It's got nothing to do with them. Come and stand here. Because I know tonight, the power of God, miraculous, miracles of the heart. Come. This happens everywhere I preach this message. Just come, guys. Come around here. There's plenty of room over here. We're going we're gonna to sort this once and for all. Come. There's more coming. You know, if you're not a Christian and you want to receive God's forgiveness, you come as well. Come and stand here. This is not rocket science. I haven't come to give you a lecture. I've come to teach truth to you. You are so loved. It's, it's beyond our understanding. Paul couldn't describe it. And, and God bless you for your courage for coming out here. I'm just a messenger, but I know one thing. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. And there are people here, you're struggling to forgive someone. Don't beat yourself up because of that. Tonight, God's going to enter into that struggle with you. And I do this often. A young lady came up to me tonight and said, we did something like this years ago and it, and, and it just revolutionized her life. So what I want you to do, because sometimes Jesus uh, asked people to, like, to do something, like he, he took some dirt and spat in it and he put it on someone's, he did something practical to help people. So I'm going to ask you to hold out your hand like this, your right hand, hold it in front of you. Don't worry about the person next to you, man, this is you now. This is something that you've been wanting to deal with for years. I want you to look into the palm of your hand. <clears throat> and I want you to put that person in your hand. We're going to give them to Jesus in a moment, okay? 
Some of you need to forgive yourself. Put that abortion in there. Put that attempted suicide in there. Yeah, put her in there too, and him. The Holy Spirit is the greatest garbage collector on the planet. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and give it to Jesus and then raise your other hand and we're going to just worship for two minutes. And the joy of God. Here we go. Close your fist around that hand now. Okay? You're leaving it here. You're not going home with this. Okay, lift up your hand. Ready? Give it to Jesus. Let it go. Lift your other hand and start to thank him. Right now, Father, Holy Spirit, fall on these people. Holy Spirit, thank you. I speak, oh, Jesus, thank you. The joy of God, the power of God, the forgiveness of God. I release that into your life right now. Come on, let it go. Now, can I hear some thanks here? Somebody start to give thanks to Jesus in this place. Come on. Come on. Chains are being broken. Chains are being broken. I break every single chain that has kept these people bound for years. In the name of Jesus. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. So we're such a supernatural moment to come to a conclusion, but... I want I want to tell you that uh, um, Pastor Ray did some heavy lifting tonight. That's that's um, a life changing realization. You should study at what moment in the Bible could you prov- invoke the name of Jesus? At what moment in Scripture could you say, "I pray in His name"? And that moment came from after His resurrection, because Jesus said, "I must go to the Father." Then I will send you the Spirit. Then He will teach you all truth. I can't finish the teaching yet. When I go to the Father, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. He'll finish this teaching, and then you can go in my name. And I think we get stuck somewhere between the two. And we forget that He's completed His assignment. And we can live fulfilled, fully fulfilled lives. And that is heavy lifting work. And I want to acknowledge and thank Ray for laying that into our house, um, a reminder again. I want to encourage you that perhaps one of the most challenging things is receiving fully forgiveness and then being an agent of forgiveness. And just because you've received so freely, please give freely. Just give, give it away. Give forgiveness away because it'll, it'll set you free in such a powerful way. I don't want to ruin the moment, but I also don't want to lose the opportunity for connecting and making friends tonight. So what I'd love to do is uh, let this moment of sensitivity linger and everyone wants to, anyone who might want to stay at, in the front, come to the front and have a holy moment with God or have somebody pray with them, or just have a private time. We'll just keep it like this. But then for everybody else, I want to be able to pray a prayer and send you off on your week and send you to Warehouse One. We're waiting for you on many spiritual and physical treats and celebrations. I'd like to encourage you not to rush off. Lord, will you please seal this word 
uh, on our hearts. Will you teach us to will you teach us to be dangerously forgiving and to receive extraordinary forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? You give God one more shout of praise to end the night. It'd be great.